With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of the Stickblade Podcast. It's a red arrival of Chicago Blackhawks, Detroit Red Wings podcast. We talk about all things Hawks, all things Wings, and the news and just general rumors going around the league. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the NHL entry draft, in particular the Hawks draft class and the Wings draft class, and just general thoughts. Then also quite a bit of free agency and uh, signings that happened this past week, so quite a a bit to talk about. So we're going to go ahead and just jump right in. Uh, First, we're going to talk about the Hawks draft class, and then we'll move on to the Wings. So with the number third overall pick, the Chicago Blackhawks pick Kirby Doc. He's the uh, the centerman who went just behind Jack Hughes and Capo Caco. Nick or Kevin, what are your guys' initial thoughts on this pick? Kevin, he's your guy. Go right ahead, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, Doc kind of was my guy. I think on the last episode, I recorded what you get with you guys, um, and we were talking about who might the Hawks pick at third overall. Uh, Doc was in my group with Turcotte and Byram, so Doc is the guy that I was pretty excited when the Hawks picked him third overall, even though most people were expecting Byram or Turcotte. I think Doc has a ton of upside. I mean, he's just a big kind of power forward, but he's he's more than a power forward. He's got the finesse that you might see in, in like a Mitch Marner type. He even plays a two-way game. So I think he's a very versatile player and he's got a lot of upside for Chicago. And I think they made the right pick. Yeah. Um, so I was obviously last week on the Bowen Byron train. So I thought, Without a doubt, it's going to be Bowen Byram. And then if it was Alex Turcotte or Trevor Zegers, I would have been okay with that too. So Doc surprised me when I seen his name announced on Friday. I was At first, I was angry just because I had my heart set on these three guys. But after just letting it, letting the days go by, and I, it, he kind of grew on me. He's getting compared to Mark Shifley. And obviously, like Kevin said, he's got a little more wiggle to him. So he's an interesting p- play. And I think he, he does have the potential to be that number one center that they want him to be. So I'm... At, after a few days, I'm not too mad about the pick. And uh, obviously, Mark Kelly and Stan Bowman had their guy, and uh, that is Kirby Doc. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, too, like Kirby Doc, you just look at the type of player he is. He's kind of a unicorn. I mean, he's a right-handed, big centerman, and he plays a two-way game. He's got the finesse. Like, there just aren't a lot of players like him. Uh, and I think that makes him quite unique. And I think that's part of the reason why the Hawks were so attracted to him. I've been watching videos of him online. It seems like the biggest strengths to his game are his offensive IQ and his patience. Um, from the videos that I've watched, he's not afraid to hold onto the puck until the last second to make a play or to wait for an opening. I believe he's six foot four, so he's a big guy. Does that worry you at all in terms of his ability to play fast? I mean, as we've seen, the NHL seems to be getting to a faster skill-based game. No, not really. He has a lot of speed based on what I was watching. He, he's got a lot of speed, a lot of skill, and that size is also a plus, so... He's kind of like, like Kevin said, he's a rare breed in the NHL, and he can be a force to reckon with when his game develops. So I, I I'm like I said, I'm growing on the pick, and I, I'm not too worried about his speed. I, I, he's a quick skater. Yeah, he, he's a quick skater. If you watch him, obviously he's not going to be like Jack Hughes kind of fast, but he's definitely got some good skating, good edge work. And you were mentioning Jordan 
the way he's got that kind of patience with the puck. It actually reminds me a little bit of Patrick Kane in the sense that he's not afraid to kind of slow the game down and let everyone come to him. And he's got that hockey IQ and he's kind of, uh, he's always kind of two steps ahead of the play and he can kind of see how everything's going to unfold. So we don't know if he's going to slot into the uh, Hawks roster this fall, but assuming he does, who would you like to see him paired with on lines? Assuming he makes the opening night roster. Um, Maybe, I mean, it's going to be Stroman to bring it together. So obviously he's not going to be playing with that. So assuming he makes the opening night roster and if Saad's still with the team, I would like to see him with Brandon Saad. I feel like their games kind of would mesh well with each other. And then maybe Dominic Kubelik, if they want to give him a shot in the third line, I could see that line working out well because they're, they're all quick skaters and Doc and Saad like to attack the puck. So, and I think it'd work out if you play with Brandon Saad. Yeah, I agree. You should definitely have Brandon Saad on the line with Kirby Doc because, you know, just being a new a, a rookie coming into the league, he's going to have his defensive errors. And a guy like Saad being Chicago's best two-way winger, he can definitely help make up for that. I also think if you pair Doc with Kane... I mean, that's just magic waiting to happen. So if you had a line that was Saad, Doc, Kane, I think that could be very effective. I, I agree. It just really all depends. We won't really know until this free agency period is over. Right. The Hawks the Hawks are still going to make moves, and it's a forward-heavy class. So it, it ba- it's based off what the Hawks do this free agency and where they want to think they want to put Doc with. It could be Kane. It could be Saad. But regardless, I think they're going to do what it takes to make sure he gets the most of his abilities. Okay, so based on that, what would you guys give this – uh, pick in terms of a grade i would personally give it a, a minus i think that it's a good pick i mean centers are pretty coveted in the nhl just right after top end defenseman um he's a big guy which makes him also valuable um he doesn't play a super physical game but he plays a skill-based game which is like you said very rare in a big player not that it doesn't happen but it's not as common most guys who are bigger tend to play the physical game is their way of i guess controlling the flow of the game so i definitely think this is an a minus pick i mean i can't really see any other player besides another center going in this spot yeah what i will say about doc is you mentioned the lack of physical play while that was th- that was true throughout the regular season when he was in the playoffs, uh, the other teams that he was playing against were definitely targeting him just because they knew he was Saskatoon's best player. And Doc started to show a bit more of an edge. He wasn't afraid to kind of fight back against them as opposed to kind of hiding away from it. So uh, I think there's definitely a little bit of bite to his game, even if it wasn't quite there uh, at the start of the season. There is one clip too that got me excited about Doc. So, I mean, before I get in, into that clip, I give it like a, I'll give it like a B plus, A minus. So, I mean, it really all depends on what we won't be able to tell until like two to three years from now until he's fully developed. But the clip about Doc is uh, how he pickpocketed Bowen Byram leading to a goal so i mean that got me excited if he's willing to do something like that against bowen byram yeah that that's a pretty sick play because not only does he strip the puck from bowen byram but the shot he gets off i don't even know what kind he has like no angle and somehow gets the shot off anyway it's such a quick release too i'm like holy shit man so yeah like a b plus a minus i think jordan okay Kevin, what would you rank this? Yeah, I think uh, A- minus is probably where I would go as well, with the potential of that being even better. Okay, so as of this moment, I say we'll, we'll average it out, and we'll say an A- minus pick. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to their next pick. The uh, Hawks at 43, per 43 select Alex Vlasic, um, defenseman, uh, six foot six, very offensive potential-based guy, um, very much 
a hockey sense type guy understands how to attack um didn't watch any clips where he played and got pinched which i think is good as a defenseman that's a very big hole on defense is getting pinched when you try to overskate which is good um your guys's general thoughts on the pick i love this pick uh, he was he was projected to go pick 27, so a first-round talent. And uh, obviously his cousin's Mark Edward Vlasic, who's a very developed NHL defenseman. He's been around the league forever now. And I, I love this pick. I mean, we I wanted that D-man in Bowen Byram, and it still paid off. We got a first-round talent in the mid-second round. So it made me very happy. Vlasic's a big body defenseman. He's a defensive defenseman, even with offensive upside. So we still got our, our, our potential future D-man in this draft in the second round. I think it was a steal for the Hawks to get him at 43. Yeah, I think uh, Nick and I are kind of opposites here, just in the sense that I was super stoked about Doc, um, whereas Nick's uh, first kind of initial reaction was kind of mixed. And then with Vlasic, I was a little disappointed at first when that was the pick that we got, just because uh, there were a lot of, well, there were two guys in particular that I really liked on the board. There was um nicholas robertson was kind of my guy uh i was surprised that he fell and that he would have been available for chicago i thought they were going to pick him because he's this kind of really high skilled forward kind of johnny goudreau type uh jameson reese is another one that i liked who plays this really good kind of physical almost andrew shaw kind of game so i wasn't thrilled with alex Vlasic initially but you know a few days have passed and i understand why chicago made that move I mean, Vlasic is just a big physical shutdown defender. And if you look in the Blackhawks pipeline, there was no shutdown defenders there. We've got some good offensive guys, some good two-way guys, but no pure shutdown defender, no pure defensive defenseman. So if Vlasic can turn into kind of like a Nicholas Jalmerson type, uh, that would be incredible for Chicago. Hey, I just um. I just think he fell into Mark Kelly and Stan Bowman's lap. I think that's the only reason why they didn't go the other way because Mark Kelly was expecting him to be the first-round pick. So when he's there at 43, I think you, in that situation, you take the best player available, and it just turns out to be Alex Vlasic, who is a hometown boy from chicago as well so yeah, we I think got there actually there were quite a few players that i considered first round picks uh and they fell through it was a, it was an interesting draft for sure okay well overall great on this pick uh kevin let's start with you what would you give this pick what would i give this pick um you know it's it's tough because i just don't know how he's gonna project in the future uh i mean like again like if he's nicholas jalmerson like that kind of defensive defenseman like that's a home run pick if he's not then i don't really know how he pans out so i think conservatively i'd say maybe like a b minus to a b okay kevin your opinion on the pick I, I would give it a, I would give it a B. Yeah, I mean, like we said, we don't really know much about him yet. I haven't watched many highlight reels besides the draft clips they showed and his highlights on that. Other than that, he's going to Boston University for probably at least two years. So, I mean, I'll know more, I guess, after a year and see what he did in college. But, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with a B for right now. Okay, um, I think I'll give this pick probably a B or a B-. minus. Um, I think there's the potential for something good here. Um, like puck-moving defenseman. That's something that I think just about any team in the NHL wants. He's a solid defenseman as well, not really getting caught out of position all the time, which is good, which means he's not a liability. Skating, from what I saw and have read, it seems like he skates all right for a bigger player, which is good. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be his fair look because, I mean, we haven't really seen offensive stats that would project him as the top pairing defenseman, at least 
not that I've read anyway. So I think it has the potential to be a great pick, but if it doesn't pan out, it's really not the end of the world because he wasn't projected as a top pairing player. Right. Yeah, his, his ceilings are a top 4D, man. That's about it. Yeah, and you're going to place him in a shutdown role, not someone you're going to have on the power play or anything. Exactly. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and move on. Uh, the next pick for the Hawks at 105 was Michael Tepley. He's the uh, winger who the Hawks decided to pick. Um, From what I've read, he's a playmaker um particularly on the power play and that he can finish um reports say that he lacks speed which i think could be worrisome especially for wingers i mean as much as i like playmaking and ability you have to be able to keep up with the pace of the game um worries me a bit um nick what's your general impression of this pick just based on what you've read or looked at yeah i'm not gonna act like i know about michael tepley that much because i i don't i don't after going from like after the third round, I just really didn't know these guys' names. So, uh, but I'm, there's a quote from Mark Kelly. He said he has a great one timer and a really good wrist shot. He's an okay skater. The skating's getting better. So he's he's got that offensive talent. So he could score in that. Basically, the hawk going from that for like the third round, late third round on. You're basically taking a flyer pick on all these guys. So if they have some like one great skill, and it turns out they could. If Michael Tepley could score 20 goals in the NHL one day, then it's a great pick. So, uh, but yeah, Mark Kelly seems confident that he could be like a top nine player one day. Yeah. Uh, initially, I, I mean, I'm still not really thrilled with the Michael Tepley pick just because Ethan Keppen is a player who I'm really high on and he was available there and Chicago didn't grab him. So I was a little disappointed with that. Um, my biggest issue, you brought it up, Jordan, is that uh, Michael Tepley's not a good skater. And that's why I was kind of shocked that Chicago went in that direction because usually skating is something that they definitely really value. Um, but, you know, I can see why they like him in terms of his goal scoring ability. He's a little bit like a Patrick Line in that he's got a really good shot. But again, the skating is an issue. Although Mark Kelly says that each time they saw him, his skating got a bit better. So if he can keep working on that, then maybe he can be something. But uh, I think he's more of just a wild card at this point. Um, But interesting news out of today is that in the CHL import draft, he got drafted, I think it was fourth overall by the uh, Winnipeg Ice, formerly the Kootenai Ice. So he'll be playing in the WHL next season. So he's still on a bit of a development path. Overall, what would you, gentlemen, give this pick in terms of a grade? I'll give it like a a C. I mean, I don't know too much about him. So, I mean, the shooting is clearly a surplus in his. So if he's a great shot and he can work on his skating, I'll give it a C for right now. Yeah, C, I'd agree with that as well. I think I'd give the pick a C as well. I mean, like you were just mentioning, I believe it was Nick. I mean, after the third round, I don't want to say it's it's a toss-up, but... Once you get into the third round, you're sort of taking flyers on guys, hoping guys pan out. So I think best case scenario, he turns into a top nine forward. Um, And if it doesn't work out, it's a third round pick. Generally in the third round, you're gambling on players as is. So, I mean, if he can figure his skating out, I think it's going to be great for him. Otherwise, I mean, it's a third round pick that didn't work out. So you weren't really expecting to hit on it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I, yeah, I agree. There's just... It's it's just really guys that you hope to work out one day, and if they don't, they don't. Okay, we'll move on to the uh, the next pick. The next pick, I'm probably gonna butcher this name. <laughs> Anti Sarella. This is centerman drafted 123. Um, admittedly, yeah. I haven't really read much up on the man. Have you guys read up on him at all? 
He's the uh, shortest player we drafted at either 5'11 or 6 feet tall. Uh, everyone else we drafted seemed to be very tall this year. So he uh, was a bit of the odd man out in that he's 5'11, but obviously still not that short. Um, yeah, he's not someone I watched at all this season, so I don't have much to comment on him. Uh, but what I do think is interesting, and we'll we'll talk about it later, is that Chicago recently traded for his brother. And so, you know, it's possible that uh, that gives him a little bit more of a, uh, a reason to almost play better, just in the sense that it would be really cool for him to play with his brother one day. So that might give him a bit more motivation. But uh, otherwise, I don't have uh, much information on the guy. Yeah, I won't have really a grade or a really anything on him i just yeah like you said he they, the hawks traded for alexi sarella or however you pronounce his name i butchered that one completely but mark kelly said he has a good skill set but they love his 200 foot game so that's why they drafted him but other than that i honestly have no knowledge on him so I'm, I'm not gonna like pretend that i do i have no knowledge basically on the rest of the hawks draft picks okay so i think for this for this pick in terms of a grade i'm just gonna leave it as a uh, undetermined like i said i don't really know much and i haven't seen enough of him so i think make a knowledgeable grade or informed grade on him it sounds like you're kind of in the same boat nick yeah um kevin do you have a grade for this pick at all no 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 grade just because i didn't watch him this season so we'll move on to the uh, hawks next pick the knock uh, the Hawks' next pick is a goaltender, Dominic Bassi, at 167. Um, basically, from what I understand, he was picked and had interest because he's a six foot six. So a big goaltender seems like that tends to be something the teams like. Um, can't really judge his prefer- or performance from other leagues because, from what I read, he's a high school student. Yeah. So yeah, you don't really uh, have competition to judge him against. Yeah, this is one of those picks that for me kind of came out of left field just because usually I know all the names in the draft or at least most of them. But Dominic Basie, you know, being a high school goalie, I had never heard of him before. So it was just an interesting pick. But um, at six foot six, I mean, that's definitely something you like to see with the goalie because the league in general, the meta seems to be big goalies. That's what seems to be the most effective. But again, goalies are just so hit and miss that you don't you don't know what's going to happen to this guy. But uh, I wish him all the best. Yeah. So yeah, the six six. The, obviously, the Hawks want were interested in because of his size. So I mean, big goaltenders you see like. Pecorino, he's huge, and then uh, Jacob Markstrom's pretty big too. And they had Pecorino, obviously, has a stellar career. So you're hoping that the size could actually somehow improve, or you could use that size to an advantage. But uh, it says Colorado College was very high on him, and that's obviously a great hockey school. So if there, if a school like Colorado College is that interested in Dominic Bassey, then I mean, maybe there is something about him that could develop into a very good goaltender in the future yeah, and that'll make for uh two chicago blackhawks players on that colorado uh, college roster because last year they drafted jacob slavin's brother josiah slavin and he'll be going to colorado college as well okay well in terms of grades again i think i would give this one a undetermined or yeah no grade because i mean like i said i mean he's a high school level goalie we don't really have anything to judge him against um, in terms of either just good or bad pick, I'd say good pick. I like that the Hawks picked at least one goaltender this draft, and I think a six foot six goaltender has potential to give you upside. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. Bigger goaltenders seem to be the meta in today's NHL. Pecorine, Ben Bishop, just to name two big guys who sort of 
carry teams and their size is definitely part of what makes them successful nick or kevin opinions on the pick at all uh yeah undetermined i until i see what he can do at colorado college I, i'm not gonna really judge him yet yeah exactly i think we need to at least see him at the college level and see how he handles that kind of competition okay and then we'll, we'll move on to the final hawks pick the final pick is Cole Moberg, defenseman. Um, from what I read, he's got good size on him, good shot, and he's got decent hands and feet. Um, with that being said, I don't know anything else about him. Have either of you read about him at all? Yeah, Moberg uh, is a name that I do know, uh, unlike Dominic Bassey. Um, the thing with Cole Moberg is he's almost like a very poor man's Brent Burns. Uh, so... You know, he's he's very good offensively, but defensively he's terrible. So, I mean, you know, seventh round pick, you take a swing on that and see what happens. But I don't know if he'll be able to handle things at the next level. Yeah, it's uh, Mark Kelly Mark said he really came like it was his breakout year with Prince George Cougars in the WHL. So uh, clearly they were just going off recency bias and hoping that hot streak can continue for basically the rest of his hockey career so like it's like i said it's a seventh round pick so i mean you're just really hoping maybe he works out maybe he could be like a seventh d-man you could put him on your roster one day so other than that i really have not much else to say about him until again we see more of him okay so with that being said that's going to wrap up the chicago blackhawks draft class from uh this year overall let's give grades for the overall draft uh kevin we'll start with you what's your grade for the draft overall i'll give it like a b plus yeah i think a b plus is probably fair i think you know those first two picks i think kirby doc's got a lot of upside and vlasic we'll see what happens if he can be that kind of steady back-end guy you know that's another good pick the rest of the draft seemed a little underwhelming so i, I think a b plus is fair one think thing a B I, would be fair yeah one one thing i do want like we mentioned it earlier very quickly but the hawks went big like they went, they're going for big guys. And it seems like Stan Bowen paid close attention to that Stanley Cup final with the Boston Bruins and St. Louis Blues. So, I mean, teams are building their teams to a big physical roster. And I think that's what the Hawks looked to do in this draft. And it wasn't ironic that this all happened to be big players. I think this is what they want to focus on in the next coming years. All right. So, consensus, I think, would be about a B for this draft. Yeah. Um, sounds. <laughs> Seems like the top two picks were pretty good picks. The third round pick for us, I thought, was consensus, a pretty decent chance pick. And then everything else, we didn't really have enough to go on the other guys. So I think it would B would seem like a fair pick. Um, Any other closing remarks before we move on to the uh, Red Wings draft class? No, I'm all right. Let's go right into the wings. All right, so... The Detroit Red Wings uh, had a really interesting draft this uh, year. Um, Some pretty... Some pretty... Not controversial, but I guess uh, unexpected picks. Um, the first one, the Detroit Red Wings in the first round select Moritz Cedar, the defenseman at sixth overall. Um, before we get into, I guess, the meat and potatoes of this pick, I want to clarify, I think for most wing fans that don't understand, when you're picking a, a position like this, especially as a new GM, I think Iserman had to swing for the fences. Cedar, as far as I'm aware, Cedar Sider, however you pronounce his name, was projected to be the second or third best defenseman in the draft, and fans have been saying we need to take a player at position of need, which is exactly what Steve Iserman did with this pick. And that being said, I like the pick. Um, first off, he's a position of need for the organization, so that's a plus. Um, I've watched clips of him online. Originally, 
when I heard the name, I was asking who is this? Um, but after watching a little bit of video online, I'm a lot more sold on the pick. Um, adding to the fact that he was playing in the top German pro league against men, I think is another major th factor to look at. Um, whether people want to really think about it or not, the fact is playing against grown men versus playing against teenagers is a very big difference, especially when you're talking the pro levels. Um, I think really he's everything that you want in a defenseman that you could realistically expect to get this high in the draft. I mean, I'm not sure if he projects as a 1D, but I think he definitely has the potential to be a top pairing. I mean, he's six foot four, he skates well, he's got a pretty good shot. And really, from what I can tell, the only criticism is the lack of, you know, not being a true power play type guy who's going to slam it from the blue line. In today's NHL, I don't think that's really what you need from a defenseman i think you need a guy who's smart who makes good plays and can make good reads and everything i saw from cedar looked to be that player um your guys opinions on this pick yeah uh i mean the more cider pick i didn't see it coming i don't think anybody saw it coming except for steve eiserman and the red wings organization i mean not even more cider saw it coming he had a great reaction to being picked <laughs> he was very surprised um you know, I think that they took him a little high. I, I know the Red Wings organization were looking to trade down, but obviously it takes two to make a trade and no one was interested in moving up. So, you know, Sider was their guy, so they just picked him. This happened with Montreal last year where Kokaniemi was their guy and they wanted to trade down and no one wanted to, to make that trade up. So they just took their guy and it worked out for them. And, you know, I think similarly, this could work out for Detroit. Do I think, you know, Sider ends up being a top six player in the draft? Probably not, but you know, I still think he's going to be a good player. I definitely think he's an NHLer for sure. And the nice thing about him is I think he's going to be in the league a lot sooner than a lot of the guys drafted this year just because he's already playing against men and uh, he's just got that projectable size and frame. I think he can definitely be on that Red Wings roster sooner rather than later. Yeah, when I seen the announcement, I was shocked. But also, I, I mean, I was shocked at the time, but it, it wasn't too surprising because, like you said, the Red Wings need defense. They need to build that blue line. And they did. They got their guy. He was probably their guy for the last several weeks. They were probably searching for a trade back to get him in some assets later. But in the end, it's all about getting your guy, whether you trade up, trade back, or stay in the same spot. And the Red Wings did just that. They got their guy, and Iserman was probably happy that in the end, they got more insider. Yeah, and I don't think it was an egregious pick either. Like, I mean, I look at Edmonton taking Broberg. I think that was not a great pick. I think Arizona trading up to get Soderstrom that wasn't a good pick uh there's Tampa Bay taking Nolan foot which was not a good pick like you know in comparison the the cider pick looks a lot better than those ones all right so overall ratings for this pick I would give this pick a B I think it's a important because like you're saying it's a position of need for Detroit I think Detroit really needs a high-end blue line prospect which Mort cider provides 
And is, I think, sixth overall a bit high for him? Yes. But looking at where other teams drafted and who they drafted at those positions, I think if you wanted the player who's arguably the second or even third best defenseman in the draft, you had to make this pick at this slot. Would I have liked if you know they could have traded back? Sure. But I mean, like you're saying, Kevin, you need two to tango and make a trade. So, I mean, would I have loved to have traded back and still got him as a player? Absolutely. But I mean, you have to look at, was there a partner there? And I'm going to assume... Iserman didn't either have a partner there or didn't have a partner who was willing to trade what he thought was reasonable value. So I can't really be mad at this pick. Yeah, I always find it annoying when you see people getting mad, like, why didn't they trade back? Well, they need a partner to trade back. So if no one's interested, it's not going to happen. It's also like they, it's also not like they know what's going on. I'm sure GMs around the league know who the wings were taking at the time, just like GMs around the league knew who the Blackhawks were tra- taking at the time. So trading back sometimes just isn't an option when they already know what you're going to do with that pick. But uh, for grade wise, I'll give it like a B, B minus, just because it was a shocking pick that early. But they did get their guy in the end. Yeah, I'd say I'm on board with the B, just because you know he he's definitely a very projectable player. Uh, so I do like that about him. Uh, I also think, you know, for a big guy, he's actually very fast Mort Sider, and he's got a bomb of, of a shot. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's a good player. So, so a B, I'd be comfortable uh, rating that pick. Okay, we'll move on to the next pick. At 35th overall, the Detroit Red Wings unselected anti-tool-misto. I believe I'm saying that right. From what I read, he, did, he wasn't particularly strong uh, last season and people didn't think it'd be much of a prospect this one but he ended up being uh one of the better defensemen in finland's junior circuit which is good i mean detroit selecting defense again it's uh the 35 pick i like yeah um, right i like the idea board. of loading up on defensemen i mean blue chip prospects tend to be at a premium in the nhl so even if this may not have been a great pick for the position i still like it just because the potential value it has and reading an overview of him he seems to at least be good at passing which is good for defensemen um his skating i read seems to be one of the main concerns with his game i mean like his strides are okay but just kind of clunky i guess but really i mean a guy who can read plays and make passes i think is fine as a defenseman at 35th i mean we kind of talked about it in the hawks uh draft class review i mean you can always work on skating that can come either with size or conditioning or even just either getting a professional nutritionist to help you lose weight to get up to speed i mean there are plenty of ways to pick up speed um overall i would probably say i again would rate this pick a b i mean is it kind of questionable yes but i think at 35th overall it's not bad to pick up a kid who you might project as a top four i mean i think he could probably be a top four if he can get a skating together um your guys' opinions on the pick yeah, I don't really have a letter grade for this one because I didn't watch Tuo Misto play this season. Um, he actually, I mean, he went higher than I was expecting him to. Um, you know, there were guys that slipped out of the first round that I thought, you know, like, for example, uh, like Raphael Lavoie, I thought was a pick that, you know, Detroit might go for. But uh, yeah, so I don't have much to say about the guy. But, you know, at least looking at his numbers for a defenseman in the junior league, those are good numbers. So he definitely seems to be uh, someone who has some good offensive ability. But otherwise, I don't have too much to add on this one. Yeah, it says uh, he has a cannon shot and he's very accurate with the shot with a lot of power. And then he's a very accurate passer, too. So, uh, again, the Red Wings are building from that blue line up in this draft. So uh, that's what matters. And they want to build. They want to be a 
they want to be a problem in the future and with their forward prospects they have already and now building from the blue line they're clearly on track of doing that yeah i mean that really seems to be the way to do it is to build from the blue line up as opposed to starting with any other position okay we can go ahead and move on to the next one the next pick at 54 is robert mastro simone um from what i read he had a good 16 and 17 year old seasons um, one of the better wingers out of the USHL, from what I've read, um, seems to, at least from Skyner reports, seems to be good at setting up. And I've read that he's small, but he's very much a competitive type player. Um, I'm not seeing how tall he is on the uh, the prospect it's report. Five ten, I believe. Five ten. So yeah, a bit of a smaller kid. I mean, and I think 170 pounds is what I have here. Definitely a smaller pick, but at the same time, if you're small, you can potentially get speed, which isn't bad. He is fast. I would be. Yeah. I would be afraid of getting muscled off, but in strength condition, I mean, we're still talking about an 18-year-old kid here who has still got quite a few years to put on size, so I'm not terribly worried about that. Um, I think this is a fantastic pick for uh, for 54. I mean, I think maybe a top nine could be fine if he can get it together. Otherwise, I mean, I'm not really sure what to expect here. Yeah, I think uh, we the NHL teams sometimes overplay the size aspect of people's games. I know the Hawks went big, but... Small players, just because they're small doesn't mean they're necessarily just going to fail in the NHL. You see small players do it all the time, like Johnny Goudreau, Alex Dabrinkin now, and Patrick Kane was small when he came in the league, and they still tore it up. So, uh, yeah, so he could, he's going to have to adjust his game. He's not going to be able to skate around people, skate around NHL caliber players like that. But he, if he adjusts his game, he could be a potential top nine player in the future. Yeah, I think the word I would use to describe Master Simone would be raw. I think he's got a lot of talent there, but it, it, it's very raw at the moment and they need to, you know, take time for him to really refine his game. But the tools are definitely there. Okay. Um, I don't really have a grade for this pick. I mean, I haven't seen any actual footage of him, so I don't want to give a definite grade. Um, do either of you have a grade at all for this pick? I do not. Uh, maybe like a B- minus for the pick. Maybe, yeah, a B- minus to a B, I think. I, I do like the pick. Okay, we'll move on to the next pick. Uh, not far after it's 66th, they selected an Albin Gru. Uh, I think another it's winger. Grave. Is it Grave? The right He's a, uh, a winger. Um, again, I haven't seen him just reading prospect reports. Um, basically, what I've read is he's a very high compete uh, base yeah. player and he likes to play a physical game. I personally want to see physical wingers. Um, I think the Red Wings have enough skill-based wingers in their system that I would like to see somebody who can play some size. Um, off the top of my head, they have Michael Rasmussen, who as of right now, they have playing wing. I'm not sure if he makes the transition to center full-time, but he can play big they have mantha playing who can play a big game but other than that they don't really have any other big wingers in their system so i think it's a good move to pick up a guy who's got some size on him yeah i oh go ahead nick yeah i was just i was just gonna add a quick point it's it's always nice to add those people that are pain in the ass to play against like nobody wants to go against someone who's just gonna be all over the puck and just bothering them all game so i think it was a good pick just because like you said you don't play that physical game he's He's just a hard work ethic player. So he's going to go out there and annoy a bunch of teams someday in the future. Yeah, I, I like the pick here just because uh, I thought he was going to go in the second round. So to get him with a third round pick, I, I, I think it was a good move. Uh, he, I would say, might be the most aggressive player in this draft class. He uh, He's the kind of guy that just hits anything that moves. I mean, he'll really just hit everyone. That seems to be 
his goal when he's out there is he just wants to rough up everybody on the ice. Some people have called that into question. They say that he's got questionable hockey IQ just because, you know, his aim is always just to kind of hit and be physical. But I do think that is an important presence to have on the ice. And he definitely still contributes offensively. One thing that's interesting about him is his favorite player. Do you want to guess who his favorite player is? I can't think of anybody who I would guess. It'll probably be wrong. It's uh, Brad Marchand is his favorite player. Which is such an interesting pick. It makes sense. But it makes sense for the kind of game that he plays. So if he can come into league, into the league and be that kind of pest, I, I don't know if I really see him being necessarily a top six forward, but as like a third line that can kind of contribute offensively every now and then and just being real annoying to play against uh i could see him being you know kind of a useful guy to have on the roster yeah those the red wings already have those elite future prospects at the forward position so getting one getting a third line player is a great pick in the third round he, he'll yeah, go just out a there. complimentary kind of guy yeah he's gonna go out there annoy people bother him and he'll he could still produce some numbers so it's one of those guys that he'll just fit into the organization organization swimmingly so uh yeah he's gonna go out there do his job and let the forwards uh, let the star forwards play their game and score and light up the lamp yeah and the other thing too is that's just the kind of player that you want if you're going into the playoffs because we know how how much more intense and rough it can get when you're in the playoffs um in terms of the pick grade um i want to say i'd give this a pick a c i mean i like the aggressive aspect and physical play that i've read that he brings um i'd be worried about scoring or again essentially like a skill based game but i think at some point you could uh you can coach skill and even if he doesn't end up bringing a super skill based game i mean i think the wings are pretty pretty decent with high-end forward prospects for the future they have quite a few so i'm not really too worried about taking a chance on a guy who might play not as an enforcer because he's not an enforcer a grinder but i guess more of i guess like a shutdown forward yeah i mean i'm i'm gonna actually go higher than that i I, yeah i would i'm gonna go like a b plus just because the way he slipped it seems like the red wings mantra lately like last year they got two guys that slipped there no no reason to slip that far but he's also a smart defensive player and like you said he's projected to go second round got him in the third round so i think if you steal a guy like that that just automatically boosts up his grade yeah i'd probably go like a b rating for the pick i do like it again just because he is a guy that i thought really was going to go a lot higher and he slips so at third overall you can't complain taking a swing on a guy like him i mean whether he pans out or not just knowing that you got him in the third round when i don't think he really should have slipped that far you know it's a good pick in that regard the next pick for the uh, red wings draft class uh ethan phillips the centerman went at 97 another player from the ushl played for uh sioux falls um from what i can read basically he's a very good skater um he plays very quick not a particularly flashy game um, but he likes to make small moves which i like quite a bit i mean watching uh hiroshi this season he had a couple or hiroshi had a couple good plays where he just made small moves to get around defenders which i like um if ethan phillips can bring that sort of a game i would really like him as a centerman 
Um, I read that he's small. Yeah, he's very undersized. Very small. Very. Yeah, 5'9", 146 pounds. I'm not sure how I would feel about being that small. I mean, like you were saying, though, Kevin, sizes and everything in the Mm -hmm. NHL, though. I mean, there are plenty of guys who aren't particularly big but are still effective. I mean, we mentioned Patrick Kane earlier. Now, I I can't remember how... uh, like Kane was when he came in, but there were definitely question marks around him when he came in at his size. So yeah, Kane I mean, sizes and everything was about the size that Hughes is now. Yeah, I think Kane was like one sixty seven or like one sixty seven one somewhere around those lines. But uh, I do like this Ethan Phillips pick. Uh, he seems like he's the prototypical future penalty killer, like that fourth line center that's going to go out there and kill penalties. He's just a smart defensive player, and he plays like a shutdown role. He's a defensive minded center. So if it seems like he, if he's brought on the team, he's going to be like your fourth line center in the future, and he'll be your penalty killer. Yeah, I didn't really watch Phillips play, but uh, at his size, like he's definitely a guy that's going to need to spend some time uh, in college, probably like at least three years there, I think, just to really develop because in the college programs, they definitely really emphasize, uh, you get a lot of gym time, so they definitely emphasize a lot of weight building and that, uh, and you know, putting on muscle. So that's going to be a big uh, point of development for the guy. One thing that's interesting, just a, a fun little tidbit, is that Ethan Phillips, uh, his, uh, his family was actually uh, Philip Zadina's billet family while he was in the uh, QMJHL. (laughs) Life goes full circle, I guess. Yeah, so I know uh, the uh, Wings right now are going through their development camp, and so the two of them are roommates. Um, Overall grade for this pick, I would say I'd give this pick a C. I think it has the potential to be a decent pick. I mean, you're talking about a late-round pick, and... Generally, you don't expect high-end players from that, but I mean, you mentioned if he can play a fourth-line shutdown player, I think for this pick, that's perfectly fine if he projects or projects and achieves that. Um, otherwise, I don't really think anybody is expecting much more from him. Yeah, sorry, Jordan, I missed uh, your letter grade. What'd you go with? I would give this pick a C. I think it has the potential okay. to be something good, and if it doesn't, it's a late-round pick, so you don't really expect a ton from it anyway. Yeah, I'll go with a C as well, just because, I mean, it's, like we said, it's a fourth-round pick, so if he... If he even makes a roster that shows one day that shows it's it's worth he was worth the pick. I will also go with the C. Uh, the next pick is Cooper Moore at 128, uh, another defenseman. So Wings taking quite a few defensemen this draft. Again, scouting reports say skating's pretty good and he's pretty good at transitioning the puck. My biggest uh, question mark or worry is based on scouting reports says he wasn't consistent, which I think is probably something to worry about. But I mean. As a scout, you can see games where guys play good games and guys play bad games. So I'm not sure how many games the scouts who scouted him watched. I haven't really seen any other reports from him other than that. So, I mean, I can't really, in my opinion, give a fair grade on this pick. Yeah, Yeah, I I had never heard of Cooper Moore, so basically no comment here. Yeah, I'm I'm not even going to try to form something here. I I have no idea who he is. So Uh, another D-man, so I mean, the Red Wings sticking to... Billy on the blue line. That's really all I have left to say about him. Uh, we'll move on to the next pick. Uh, Elmer Soderblom from, let's see, the 159th pick, another winger. Um, six foot six, so a big man, good puck skills. And I mean, just being six foot six with decent puck skills, I think is probably something that any team will look at and say, yeah, we can take a chance with a late rounder on this. 
I'm not sure, aside from that, really what he brings to the game. I have read that there's some worry about hockey sense, so I'm not sure if this was strictly a size-only pick where if it turns into something great, if not, it was a late rounder. Um, Other than that, not really much to say about the pick, so I mean, I'm not really going to give a grade for it. Yeah, I don't know much about the guy. Uh, Obviously, he's huge. Um, The only thing I'll say is his numbers are not very good. So, uh, I mean, offensively, I'm not sure if there's a whole lot there, but maybe they saw him as a defensive kind of penalty killing guy. And that's why they went with the pick. But he's definitely not someone I watched. So I don't have anything to say about him. Yeah, clearly just going with the size. So, I mean, 6'6", six, six, they hope one day he can develop like a true physical game. Yeah. But other than that, again, not too much information about Satterblom. Okay, we'll move on. Um, For the next couple of picks, tried to look at scouting reports on these players, but I really could not find much on them. Um, At 177 overall, uh, Gustav Berglund, defenseman. At 190, Kirill, uh, I'm <laughs> going to butcher this one. Good luck, good luck pronouncing this one. Tia, Tia, Tia. Tiaut. Tutiyev, 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 a winger. Toots, 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 Curl Toots. We'll call that Tootsie Roll. <laughs> Tootsie Roll, because you got to roll the T's, because it just is a twister. Ah, uh, yes. And then at 191 overall, like almost every draft, the Wings select a goaltender. At least somewhere in the draft, they select Carter Guylander. Really, nothing I could find on these picks of note to breath to really talk about i think the goalie pick is fine i mean as of right now the wings still don't have anybody in their system to replace howard when he inevitably retires um and i don't really want to see them going the free agency route at least not for a starter so i mean picking a goalie prospect i think is fine and then another winger and forward i mean like i said i'd rather not rather not talk about players that i don't really know much about so i mean i'll just leave question marks for those picks yeah i'm with you there i don't know too much i about these guys so i i don't want to go in depth about them just because i'm i'd be just basically going off guessing yeah not too much uh, for me to say on these guys uh tootsie roll here is another undersized forward like ethan phillips he's 5'9 146 pounds so uh you know definitely on the lighter side but i think they're just going for a home run here based on his production in the mhl and you know, the other guy is not much to say. Guylander's uh, a big goalie. We were talking about that being kind of the meta, and he's 6'5", so I'm sure that uh, definitely factored into their choice there. But yeah, not a whole lot for me to add to these picks. To also, to no surprise, the wings go sweet heavy. So, I mean, that's <laughs> life just makes complete sense now. I mean, they, I think how, how many Swedes did they draft? They drafted like six, I think, this draft. They know they drafted quite a few. People have been joking around calling this the Sweden draft. <laughs> feels like every year the wings just need to be loaded on Swedes just to feel comfortable. But, I mean, it worked out in the past, so why not just keep it up? They breed good hockey players. I was going to say they've gotten some pretty good players from Sweden. Uh, Lidstrom, Kronwall, Zetterberg. Oh, no, no knack on the Swedes, man. They are fantastic hockey players. They're just born to play. Let's go ahead and give this uh, this draft class an overview, though, for the Wings. I think overall, I would give this class probably a B. I mean, they took a, a fairly high-end defenseman. They picked a or really two forwards that I liked with their picks afterwards. Or certainly, Let me phrase that. They picked a high-end defenseman, a potential high-end defenseman. Then they took two potential medium, I would say, 
level forward so i think not a bad draft overall for them i mean we were mentioning it earlier you know the first round pick being a little bit questionable but i mean we already talked about this as well you need two to tango so i think if a trade back could have been possible it would have happened but just yeah. wasn't in the cards and i mean realistically you're trying to predict a player out three years from now sometimes you're going to hit home runs sometimes you're going to swing and miss and if they swing and miss on a potential high-end prospect that's on the blue line i'd rather have them try and swing and miss on a on a defenseman because in my opinion defensemen you can never have too many in your system yeah i'll give it a i'll give it a b as well just because i don't want to doubt Eisman, just because i know he's built in the <laughs> that's fair yeah, so I mean, he knows what he he knows the guys that he wants, and I guarantee every single one of these guys he has a plan for them. So sure, some of them were just taken, probably hopefully to fill a role one day. But yeah, I'm not gonna doubt Eisenman. I mean, I'll give him a B, even if. Yeah, I think uh, I'd be comfortable giving out a B as well. I think you know, Sidered for sure, definitely a guy who's gonna be playing for the Red Wings. And I think. Alvin Grave is another one who could definitely find the role on that team. The other picks, I, I have no clue what happens to those guys, but you know, that's just kind of how it is with the draft after the first round. It's a little bit iffy with those picks. So yeah, I think a B is okay. And boys, here's to uh, hoping we don't have to pick this high together next year. Let's hope for uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let, let's hope uh, maybe a playoff run out of both of our teams. Unless we acquire someone else's lottery pick. That yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh yeah. Go right ahead, man. Just uh, just do a Ottawa where you know you just you get yeah. a pick from a team that's gonna be a bottom feeder next season. That's what you do. And mm-hmm. it seems like Ottawa's just willing to hand out their draft picks like candy, so you never know. You, you could trade them something, and they'll probably, yeah, here's a first rounder. Yeah, I think they've learned from their mistakes. I don't think they're going to move that 2020 first. I hope not. Let's hope they just did not learn anything. <laughs> could you imagine being in that fan base and oh, trading boy. that pick? Oh, boy. The meltdown. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they'd be fans anymore. Just straight up. They've gone through too much. <laughs> can't remember i think it was last year there was that sign that uh that was full what was it it was right off the highway the uh the sign yeah, that was the paid fire melnick billboard <laughs> yes or melnick out melnick out like if that happens again like you think the fans do that but maybe get like multiple <laughs> i mean i'd have to imagine that like the fans in ottawa have to be getting just at least this point somewhat impatient i mean to watch a franchise get realistically it's getting pretty trashed yeah it's tough i know i mean the viewership has definitely fallen off a bit like the attendance at the games uh they just worsen uh, every year it seems so we'll, we'll go ahead and stop trashing on the sons i mean i don't yeah. think they need anybody else to make them feel bad <laughs> um we'll go ahead and move over now to the um the free agency and trade front um so we left off on the 21st so i think we'll just pick from there and just start moving forward um yeah the the free agency trade front did not disappoint at that Saturday morning, it, things started getting kicking, and it, it just went all out. We'll talk about a couple uh, trades that happened right after. Uh, the Canucks traded Tom Piat and a 2019-6 to the Sharks, and they got Francis Perron and a 2019-7. And then after that, the Hawks traded uh, John Hayden, and they got in return John Quenville. Yeah, that's right. I, I no. almost forgot about this trade. Yeah, this one, uh, this one kept caught off guard because the Hawks were on the clock. Yeah, and, and then, uh, the, the, there was a trade announcement. It was John Hayden, which kind of shocked. So, uh, but I think Stan kind of threw a little shade at Joel, saying, "Hey, I still own you. I got your family members now." <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, I was only shocked in the sense that I was surprised they managed to move John Hayden. It didn't seem like there were going to be any takers for him. And so. I, tr- I truly hope the Devils do unlock that potential in John Hayden too. Cause I he, hope so. Yeah, he had that. Pro- he was a promising young power forward, and maybe it just wasn't the right fit in our system. He, he was. A, he's a great guy. You see him. In all his interviews, he was just as nice as could be to reporters. So, uh, Qu- John Quinville, another former first-round pick that Stan acquired, hoping to change the scenery will get his game going. You've seen it happen in the past, and Stan's going to stick by that. So, clearly, he has that raw talent, and I think, you know, you know, giving up John Hayden, who the Hawks were looking to move probably for the last two years now, and getting yeah. John Quinville, hopefully he could fill like a top-nine role one day. Yeah, I think this is one of those trades where – Quenville could be nothing. He could be something. I have no clue. But I think it's uh, it's one that uh, you got to be happy with, just in the sense that you know you're able to get something for John Hayden, and and hope that it can turn into something, and then also hope that John Hayden can turn into something for another franchise. Because <laughs> as you said, Nick, you know, off the ice, he's a really good guy, and he certainly had potential when he came into the league. You know, he came in and he looked promising. There, <laughs> I mean. It was a little bleak back then, but at one point he looked like one of our our best forward prospects. And you know, you know when he he came in, he looked like, in a sense, like he looked a little bit like a young Patrick Sharp in a way. And but it it, it just never panned out for him, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I just didn't put that tool put those tools together. So uh, yeah, ho- hopefully John Hayden gets his game going in New Jersey. They're building a fun team over there. Yeah, they and, are. Uh, but I guess that'll take us to the next big Jordan. If you want to take it away trade i should say okay, so the uh the next trade uh the canucks acquired jt miller from the lightning and the lightning get oh yeah another one i forgot about Mazinek. they get a 2019 third rounder and they get a 2020 conditional the canucks are going to take on all of miller's contract which is the four years at, uh i believe it's 5.25 just for a second why are teams helping tampa bay i mean you're taking a cab strap team you're going to take caps off their book and you're giving them picks in return what what is going yeah, on that's a puzzling one for sure jt miller's good jt miller plays a fine game though too and the canucks oh he does yeah and the canucks are the canucks are one of those teams that are just a few pieces away of being a playoff team for sure just because that young core they got and they want to take advantage of that now so they're gonna go add jt miller he'll play a top six role and uh then when Vasily Podkolzin comes over and he'll play with Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, and all that. So yeah, the Canucks are looking to win, and this this is a trade showing that hey, we're we're in this thing for the long run. Yeah, I've got nothing against Miller. I I, I do like the guy. I think he's a good player, but at the same time, I think they definitely overpaid a bit here. Um, I like the acquiring of Miller. The only thing I don't like are there, in my opinion, the picks. Um, I understand, you know, he's a fine player, and if if the Canucks really want to make a long term move, which I mean, they're taking on, you know, four years of him. I understand, you know, a guy like that, you're going to have to give up something. But I don't know. I mean, they already gave up uh, Mazinek. And I think I would have been fine if instead of a third rounder, it was a fifth. I mean, aside from that, though, aside from the actual draft pick, I like the pickup. I think it's a smart pick. And I mean, Tampa was essentially cap challenged. I think they could have leveraged that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, We'll move on to a pretty, pretty decent uh, free agency move. Uh, the Hurricanes end up getting Patrick Marlowe, a 2021st round pick, a 2027th rounder, and the Leafs in return get a 2026th. So basically, the Hurricanes got paid a first rounder to take Patrick Marlowe off the Leafs' hands. I gotta say this for the Canes, they made out pretty well. I mean, 
yeah. you're going to be paying that guy, but you're getting a first rounder pick. And, and I mean, the Leafs tend to be in the playoff mix, but if they miss, that could be huge. Well, yeah, it's a conditional first because so if the Leafs are, say, if the Leafs somehow just have a terrible year this year and they're in the top 10, the Leafs get that pick back. It'll become a 2020 for 2021 first round pick. But still, in the end, the Canes bought out Marlowe. So basically, they were just taking on the contract and they got paid a first round pick just to buy him out. So it was a it was a great deal for the Canes. They got an extra first round pick in the future, whether it's next year or in 2021, just to just to take a little cap hit from buying out his contract. Yeah, I mean, I wish Chicago was the one that made this move. Oh, yeah. You know, they obviously have had the space to do it. And it's it's a free first round pick, basically. So uh, I mean, great move for the Canes um, and, uh, you know, definitely a move that they needed to make because the one that they, <laughs> the trade they made after this one was not good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we'll get to that trade and we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. We'll make um, our way there. Don't you worry. There's a lot of news to cover. Uh, the next trade, and this is one of the big ones. Uh, the Devils end up acquiring PK Subban <laughs> and the Predators in exchange get Steven Santini, uh, Jeremy Davies, and second round picks in 2019 and 2020. Um, also note the Preds do not retain any of the salary for Subban, so the Devils are taking all $9 million of that cap hit. General thoughts on the trade, uh, Nick or Kevin? Yeah, um, for the Devils, this was just a hell of a deal. They didn't give up much. They gave up two second rounders, and then Steve Santini and Jeremy Davies. Jeremy Davies was a seventh round pick last draft. So the Devils got an elite defenseman, and the Preds were basically just looking to shed his salary cap. Uh, I think it's just to make a push for Matt Duchesne, but I thought the Preds could have got a lot more just to shed his salary. But, I mean, the Devils made out like fools in this trade. Yeah, so, I mean, that's definitely a win for the Devils. They they essentially gave up nothing for P.K. Subban, so great for them. I understand, as Nick pointed out, you know, why Nashville did it. They want the cap dump. They want to go after Matt Duchesne and free agency, but they, I, man, I, I'm surprised this is all they could get for, for Subban. But you could have at least got a future for just a future first and call it a deal, but geez, yeah. just PK Subban still a stud defenseman. I mean, yeah. the, dev, the, the team, the doubles are building. I mean, to acquire, to draft Jack Hughes and trade for PK Subban in the matter of 24 hours, it's just, it's bananas. In the uh, Devils roster, they're going to have Taylor Hall, Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, now P.K. Subban. That team seriously looks like it's starting to uh, just load up for a run. I mean, they're they're slowly building a pretty decent roster there. Can't forget about John Hayden, too. They did get him. Uh, let's yes, not leave did. him. <laughs> not leave John Hayden. No. But yeah, on a serious note, the, yes, the Devils are building something serious down there. And now that's going to be a team that there's in the free, for the free agency period, that's going to be a team players gonna be like okay maybe i do want to go to new jersey yeah that's a good point i think a, another thing that kind of uh shocked me and you were talking about this the picks for pk suban i don't understand why nashville didn't at least try to get a conditional first like they could have made one of these picks a second rounder that turns into a first rounder i think they at least should have tried that. I mean, P.K. Subban, for all intents, is still an elite defenseman. I mean, he's not slow and he, he's not slowing down. I mean, he's still in his good years. Yeah, this just tells me, uh, David Boy, uh, he's really just, he, he was in a hurry to shed that contract because he knows July 1st is coming up and the tampering period to 
talk to free agency is open as of June 23rd. So he, he wants to go make his moves now, and he was in a rush to unload a contract that just happened to be P.K. Subban. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought the Leafs were going to make a play at P.K. Subban after unloading Marlou. I think there uh, were rumors of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but obviously Marner's their main focus. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a, a one-sided trade in, in the devil's favor. We can move on to the next big thing, um, a signing. William Carlson signs with Vegas for eight years, uh, a $5.9 million a year deal. Um, I personally like this move quite a bit. He is basically the face of that franchise, at least from their forward group in my eyes. I think even just if you didn't like the cap hit here or the term, I think Vegas needs a face for that franchise, and I absolutely think Carlson is that face. So I, I like the signing quite a bit. Yeah, I, I, I like the signing. It's just now I, I thought William Carlson was going to be one of those RFA right trades. And now uh, Vegas makes that signings. But in the future, Vegas is they're going to be in cap hell like real soon. And they've only been around for two years. So pretty soon they're going to have to start paying. They got a good farm system. They're going to pay some of these prospects. And then Pacioretty's contract's coming up in, I think, this upcoming offseason. Or next upcoming offseason, I should say. So they're going to be in cap hell soon. They're going to have to finesse their way around the salary cap. and uh, But to keep a player like William Carlson is well worth it. Yeah, it is interesting how quickly they've gotten to that cap ceiling. It definitely didn't take long for them. And... You know, maybe they regret it uh, in the near future. Um, but obviously, you know, they're a team that they're a playoff team. So they're obviously going to spend money a- a- in hopes of winning a cup. And that's what you do when you're in that kind of position. And yeah, I think the the Carlson signing is good because, you know, at 5.9, I think he probably took a bit of a discount to stay on the team. And, you know, as Jordan said, he is kind of that face of the franchise, although Maybe that might become Mark Stone next season. But um, yeah, uh, no complaints here. I think it's uh, a good signing for them. Move on. Um, Travis Sanheim ends up re-signing with the Flyers for two years with a uh, $3.25 million average cap hit. And then Brad Hunt re-signs with the Wild uh, again two years uh, for 700000 And then Stephen Kampfer re-signs with the Bruins for two years with 800000 So... The hunt and the camp for signings basically just guys who you're not really expecting a ton out of who are still trying to work their way to those big contracts. I don't mind these picks at all or these uh, these signings at all. I mean, you, you kind of want guys like that in your system who are trying to make it still. I mean, if they don't pan out, yeah, that's money, but it's not terrible money on your uh, your cap. The Sanheim one, I think, is fine as a two-year. It's sort of, in my opinion, a prove-it type deal which I'm perfectly fine with. Initial thoughts on these moves? Yeah, I like the Sandheim uh, extension. It's a it's a bridge deal. He, the Flyers, again, are they, they have a solid decor coming in with Provorov developing if they keep Goss to spare, and they traded for Justin Braun last week. So Sandheim's on a bridge deal. Uh, like you said, approve a deal to get that big contract, whether, they, whether or not they want to pay him that much. But for an average, or like, for, I think it's a great deal, all in all. In all. all right, what's up next? Uh, let's see. The next move. Uh, we have a trade. The Flyers get Tyler Pitlick, and the Stars get Ryan Hartman. <laughs> <laughs> this is a funny story. Yeah, no kidding. Admittedly, I haven't really followed either of these players, so do either of you two follow them at all? Well, well yeah. The two of us know about Ryan Hartman. <laughs> yes, yes. Sure. Uh, but uh, apparently Ryan Hartman doesn't know about Ryan Hartman lately because <laughs> uh, a few days ago he tweeted he was going off the grid for a few days, and 
So, I mean, off-season coming or free agency coming up, he knew he had to make a choice whether he wanted to be back with the Flyers. But he doesn't know he was traded to the Stars. That's the funny thing. Like, his mom is trying to get a hold of him. Nobody knows where he's at. Nobody can get a hold of him. So, Ryan Hartman's probably going to turn on his phone and realize he's going to – it's going to be like he entered a new world. He has no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is the Stars <laughs> didn't give him a qualified yes, offer. Exactly. So, he's actually a, a UFA now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And this, yeah, the stars are probably trying to get a hold of him, like trying to work out a deal. And Jim Nill probably thinks he's getting ignored. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's definitely the funniest story of the off season, without a doubt. Yeah, uh, we'll move on to a, a pretty big trade, and this one was all over social media. Chicago Blackhawks and getting defenseman Kelvin DeHaan and forward mm-hmm. Alexi Sarla. And the Hurricanes, in exchange, get Anton Forsberg, the goaltender, and defenseman Gustav Forsling. Um, I'm just going to say, I think the Hawks may not like bandits. Yeah, just when I want to lose all hope in Stan Bowman, he pulls this out of nowhere. I, I mean, there was rumors of... Last year, there was rumors of DeHaan signing in Chicago, and I think Stan kind of lowballed him, trying to get him over here for cheap. Actually, what DeHaan said uh, a couple days ago is that he was not approached by Chicago uh, as a free agent last summer, so it looks like Chicago never even spoke to him. So it was like a, sm- it was like a smoke cloud then. I mean, it's just a smoke screen. I mean, so, but I mean, in the end, Chicago gets... A true defensive defenseman. He's like a poor man's Nicholas Jalmerson. He's, he's as close as a player you're going to get as Nicholas Jalmerson. That's not Nicholas Jalmerson. And to give up two guys that we were going to let walk anyways, Anton mm-hmm. Forsberg and Gustav Forsling, it was just a great deal. And then Alexi Sarala coming over too. And he, if, he has potential. I mean, he scored 60 points in the AHL this past season. So he's no slouch of a player. And I think, I, I don't know what was going on in Carolina, but this was just a one-sided deal for Stan. And I could not be happier because that blue line is actually looking like a confident defensive group. Yeah, I don't understand how this trade happened. I mean, Calvin DeHaan is a top four defenseman and he's still under contract for another few years. So it's not like, you know, he's going to be expiring anytime soon either. And I get that he is injured right now and he's projected to come back. He might not be back until like December so maybe that's why Carolina was looking to move him. But again, like this is a top four defenseman and you're trading him for Forsberg, who looked awful when he was playing with us uh, last season. That might be generous too. Yeah. I mean, he <laughs> he was really just probably the least confident goaltender I've ever seen. I mean, just always looked so nervous and the team in front of him just had no confidence in him, which made things even worse for him. Uh, And then Gustav Forsling, who I think was going to end up playing in Sweden next season because he just didn't have a spot on the roster here. So these are two guys that were not going to even stick around in Chicago, and we turned them somehow into a top four defenseman. And then Alexi Sarala, who at 22 years old scored 30 goals in the AHL. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. He's a guy that definitely has potential. Yeah, and uh, I mean, if... He, he's a skilled forward, and like we said, he they drafted his brother Anti. Mm-hmm. But so I think that I feel like this deal was in the works at draft day, or not at draft, but yeah, like while they were making that pick. So all in all, the trade was just a it was without a doubt probably one of Stan's most lopsided trades in recent date, besides Nick Schmaltz and Dylan Strom. Oh, so, don't forget, don't forget about Manning for Kajula. Oh yes, Manning for Kajula was also a steal, but like. One of those things that, like, you know, like, you know, Calvin DeHaan is going to work out. It's just when he's healthy. Yep. Uh, we'll move on. 
in terms of trade, the Avalanche end up acquiring Kevin Connaughton and a third round pick and in exchange the Coyotes get Carl Soderberg. I don't mind this pickup for the Coyotes. I mean, I think taking a chance on Soderberg is fine. Um, I don't think he makes or breaks that roster, but I think it's a fine pickup. Yeah. And I mean, you basically gave up a third rounder for a chance that maybe a guy working out for your team. Yeah, Colin, uh, my bad. Arizona was one of those teams that were making a push for the playoffs last year. So adding Carl Soderberg is not, it's, it's not terrible. I mean, that forward group needs help. So, uh, I like this trade for the Arizona Coyotes. I think it's actually a good deal. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he built he helps mesh with those young guys down there. I know that they're a young group out in Arizona. We'll move forward. Uh, Brian Elliott ends up re-signing with the Flyers for one year at two million. Uh, perfectly fine deal for him. I mean, it's a one-year deal. You can't really go wrong on a one-year deal, especially this cheap for somebody. And then Mike Riley ends up re-signing with Canadians for two years at one point five. Um, again, just a short-term, small deal, sort of one of those. Hey, if you have what it takes to stick around, cool. If not, you know it's one point five million. Not really breaking your bank. I don't mind either of these moves. Um, Kevin, any thoughts on them? I mean, they're not very exciting moves. So yeah, I don't have a whole a whole lot to say about them. Yeah, oh, it's just there to uh, mentor Carter Hart. And, yeah, pretty uh, much. So yeah, that's really the that's the reason why he's staying in Philadelphia for another year. Moving on, the Hurricanes end up acquiring Eric Hala, and the Golden Knights end up getting Nicholas Nicholasua and a conditional fifth. If I'm reading right, the conditions for the fifth are that if uh, Hala's on the Hurricanes roster past next season. Vegas gets the pick. So basically, if he resigns with the team, and if the Canes trade him for either a player, multiple picks, or a pick in rounds one through five, Vegas also gets the pick. So basically, it's you're going to get him, and if you resign him, you give up a pick. If not, then you just lose the player, and that's it. Um, I don't mind yeah, the, uh, the trade. I, I like the trade for uh, the Hurricanes, so they didn't. It wasn't just a stupid move they made with the Blackhawks, but they actually redeemed themselves. Eric Hall is another one of those players. He's like a playoff-type player. He's annoying to play against, and he's skilled, too. So I think uh, it, it was a great addition for the Carolina Hurricanes. They didn't give up too much for him, so I, I, I like the trade. Yeah, I think Halla is injured right now, so I'm not sure if he'll be there to start the season. But he is a good player, and I mean, the prospect they gave up for him, I don't really see him as being a guy that's going to pan out exactly. So, uh, you know, low-cost acquisition here, so good move by the Hurricanes. Moving on. Uh, Carl Gunnarsson ends up re-signing with the Blues for two years at 1.75. Just coming off of their cup run, I think this is perfectly fine. It's not a big cap hit, and it's not a long term either. Um, I tend to generally be a fan of moves like this just because you're not tying up a ton of cap space and you're not tying it up for very long. I think perfectly fine deal in terms of the signing and possibly the Stanley Cup could be a or could have been something used in negotiations, but really, I don't think 1.75 is a deal breaker for me. No, I thought it was a fair deal. The Blues are not in a position where they really need to let players walk from their championship team right now. So I, I thought it was a fine deal. It it makes sense to bring back to keep that winning mentality with that Blues team. So they don't want. I don't think they want to make that many roster changes because they know they got a great squad over there. And we'll go ahead and just uh, wrap up. Uh, this little segment. Um, just two things of note. Uh, 
Brooks Orpik ends up announcing his retirement after 15 seasons. And then Robert Longo also ends up uh, calling it a career as well. So both of those guys will end up being no longer in the NHL. Um, Luongo, though, is a little bit more notable just because now teams have cap space tied up with him. Both the Canucks and the Panthers got screwed out of that. So yeah, now, more so the Canucks. Yep. The Canucks have, uh, what is it, $4 million tied up? Yeah, I think they get hit with a $4 million uh, recapture penalty there and then i think it's one million for the panthers oh not huge for the panthers but i mean sizable for the canucks those uh, guys yeah one thing i just want to say about roberto luongo is uh thanks for telling kane back in 09 that he was only a power play specialist because that really got him going so uh we can thank roberto <laughs> luongo for i mean maybe i mean he was a stud kane was a stud all along but that got to his head a little bit and wanted to prove some doubters wrong um i believe that should cover everything on the free agency and trade front. Can you guys think of anything that I may have missed? No, I think we covered every move. It's just now rumors that are starting to heat up. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll move on to rumors now. Um, the, I think probably one of the biggest ones in the league right now, uh, Duchesne to potentially Nashville. Um, freeing up P.K. Subban's contract, I think, is kind of what really is leading the charge for this rumor to be floating around the league. Uh, Nashville's got cap space now, and if they want to sign a guy like Duchesne to a fairly big term-based contract. They can. Um, Nick, we'll start with you. What are your opinions on Duchesne signing in Nashville? I hope to hell it doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, yeah, keep him out of the central. Yeah, yeah, please. I mean, but I think they're gonna they're they're the front runners to sign Duchesne. So it, it's a scary thought. I, Nashville's already not fun to play against. They just beat us down their physical team and then adding some superior talent like Matt Duchesne scares me as a Hawks fan but it, it makes sense they're, they're clearing cap and it's to sign Duchesne we all know it so uh that four group's already really talented over in Nashville and adding Matt Duchesne just makes it even more scary yeah I know Montreal is also trying to court Duchesne but I think at this point we all know he's going to end up in Nashville. On the uh, the Leafs front, Mitch Marner still no contract. Um, as far as Fred Online, um, no teams have made serious offers to him yet, so no offer sheets have came out yet. Um, that being said. I think the Leafs should start to get worried now that they still don't have a contract with him. I think the last thing that they need is trying to do another holdout. I mean, this is kind of off topic off topic but do you guys think that the penalty for offer sheeting is a little bit too high due to the fact that it's four first rounders with what he's supposedly asking uh i don't i don't think so not too much i mean you're gonna get a player in his prime who's an elite level talent so and with that being said if you add that good of a player it's gonna be a late round potentially a late first round so i don't think it's too much to give up i mean i would personally make a trade for four first rounders if i know my team's gonna be good to acquire mitch marner yeah i'd agree with that i mean if you're a team you know you've got a good roster and you're you know you're a likely playoff team every year i give up those four first for mitch marner we've kind of talked about it before but do you think yeah. he'll be the, f- the player who finally breaks the offer sheet trend? I mean, I'm not sure what the deal is, but I mean, I, he doesn't have the contract yet. I mean, he's got to yeah. start to look around and say, well, what's going on? I mean, am I playing here or am I not? I certainly want the uh, the offer sheet uh, drought to end. Um, we'll see. It might not even be Mitch Marner. It could be someone else. It could be... You know, like a Timo Meyer or San Jose is, you know, up against the cap. It could be Sebastian Aho because apparently they've really been lowballing him. So he might look to sign elsewhere. 
uh, could be Kyle Connor out of uh, Winnipeg. Uh, there's a lot of options out there. So if someone's getting offer sheeted, it might not necessarily be Mitch Marner. I don't think I don't think Marner is going to get offer sheeted at this point. The Leafs are making moves to free up that uh, that cap space. I think they're they're probably one or two moves away to actually have enough money to sign him but I, I i agree to your point kevin that timo meyer is going to be one of those guys that probably will see an offer sheet come out and i think we're going to see that drought broken this year and i kind of want the hawks to do it they they did they pulled the offer sheet on nicholas jalmerson back in well it was 2011 right yeah they san jose offer sheeted nicholas jalmerson so if chicago wants to get a bit of revenge this year timo meyer is a good target for sure this this is why gms live out of fear this is why you don't see the offer sheets because revenge is going to come and this might be the time the hawks are going to say hey remember back in 2011 well here we are i'm all for it because timo meyer is exactly what the hawks roster needs so uh, kevin you mentioned him just a moment ago but uh sebastian ajo hurricanes have actually specifically said that they're not worried about him getting offers sheeted they said they have cap space and that they would match whatever offer he was given um so any canes fans that might be listening um i wouldn't be too worried about aho getting taken from you management seems to be set on keeping him around um, yeah i mean they obviously want to keep a guy like that around i know i think it was like midway through the season or something there was like talks about carolina you know having a big fire sale and everyone was available except for aho so he's definitely a player that they covet i just know that they've been lowballing him uh so We'll see how how talks with that progress, but I just know as of now they're not giving him a fair fair deal. Another pretty decent name, uh, Braden Point. As far as we're aware, mm-hmm. uh, they haven't made any deals between him and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think Tampa would probably want to try to do a bridge deal on him. Um, yeah, I think Tampa will definitely keep Braden Point. I don't think he's a guy they're going to lose, but obviously as a result of keeping him, they're going to be losing other pieces. Yeah, they they also need a few more moves to... Because, I mean, free agency's coming. They also have... They also need to fill some roster spots. I think they have 17 players signed right now, and Braden Point's obviously not one of them. But yeah, he's not. Uh, Braden Point's not going anywhere. If if he was, he, it would have been. It would have happened already. So I think, uh, yeah, Braden Point's going to be there. He's going. I don't know if it's going to be a bridge deal or not, but he's going to get paid. Moving on to the forward front, uh, San Jose even being potentially cap crunched. Um, Sylvan closed the door on bringing back Gustav Nyquist. So for the Wings fans listening, that door isn't fully closed. I mean, he could still not be back in the Wings uniform. Um, I watched him play, obviously, for Detroit for several years. I like the player, but I don't think that I would want him at what he's going to probably be asking for. Mm. Um, Another thing of note, uh, other teams, another team rumored to have been calling him as Edmonton. Um, I'm not sure how he fits with their roster, but that being said, Edmonton still has McDavid and Drysaddle, and I mean, you're kind of in prime for those guys' years. I'm surprised that their management, now granted management has changed, but I'm surprised I haven't seen Ken Holland start making moves to try to maximize the prime for those kids. I mean, sitting in McDavid's window right now for his prime, and I think... Holland needs to start making moves, even if it's not for a player like Nyquist, just 
to surround McDavid with talent enough to make the playoffs. I mean, there's no reason that a team that has Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl hasn't made the playoffs or had playoff success in recent years. I mean, they had what the one appearance and that was it. Yeah, 2016. I was and and we thought I thought they were going to be a real deal that year and. They fell off and they haven't recovered. Uh, but since we're talking about Nyquist, the Hawks are kicking the tires. He, he's one of the five players the Hawks are, or five forwards, I should say, the Hawks are kicking the tires on. Uh, I don't know if Nyquist is really that much of a great fit for him. I wouldn't be disappointed if he signed here. But uh, Nyquist is going to, he'll probably get paid, overpaid more than he should. But like this, it, just this depth in the free agency with the forwards, he's going to make a big contract. And I don't know if the Hawks are going to sign him, but. The Hawks have checked in on him. Yeah, um, I don't know if Hawks go. Like, I wouldn't be mad if, if the Hawks signed Nyquist, but I don't think he's what the Hawks need because obviously he's a very offensive-minded forward, and the Hawks have that covered. Right now, they just need defensive-minded forwards like in PK. I think in terms of whether the Hawks should pick him up, I think the real question the Hawks would need to be looking at is like you were mentioning, do you need an offensive-based winger who Nyquist generally is seen as a playmaking sniper, if that makes sense? I mean, he used to generally be viewed as a pure sniper, but he's put a bit more of like a playmaker style uh, spin on his game while still being able to snipe every once in a while. So I think unless that's what the Hawks are looking for, you don't really want to pick him up, at least for his price tag that he's going to want. Um, can you guys think of any other rumors that are going around that are of note? Well, I mean, if we're going to stay on the Hawks rumor mill, I guess, uh, the other, I mentioned there's five fours the Hawks are kind of kicking the tires on. It, the others are Ryan Dezingle, who I've been pump, I've been gassing him up the last few weeks. I, I, he's one of those guys that I think he should be the number one priority for the Hawks this offseason. Then there's Joe Pavelski, who's coming along, and I. it seems like he, his name's heating up and is really a potential fit. Anders Lee, also Kevin mentioned him earlier. So uh, the Hawks are showing interest in these these star forwards, I guess, in this free agent class. And uh, I think they're going to end up with at least one of them. I wouldn't be surprised they end up with two of the guys I named. Yeah, I think of those guys, Pavelski to me would be the one that I would want the most. I just think he's a guy that's just the perfect fit in that organization. I agree. And the fact that him and Kane clicked so well, I mean, I know it was like four years ago now, but I, the fact that him and Kane clicked so well in the Winter Olympics a few years ago, I think him and Kane on the line together and the, just the leadership you bring with Joe Pavelski and this team, the Hawks transitioning, maybe being a playoff team next year, I think you need that kind of guy. And he's still he's still really good. He had 35 He's still goals. really good, yeah. He's, he's had th- a really hot season. Yeah, he had 35 goals this year. So, I mean, his age, sure, maybe a little concerned, but I I would with there's no doubt in my mind, I think the Hawks should make a strong push for Joe Pavelski, especially if it's for like five and a half million. Yeah, I mean, the good thing about his age, too, is that he probably won't be commanding a long-term deal. And that's exactly what Chicago needs. Stan Bowman has said that he's not, you know, he's looking for short-term deals, one or two year contracts. Like, I don't know if it's doable, but I would, I would give him like a really big one year deal. 
if possible. Oh, anything to bring him on. I mean, if he wants one year for seven million, do it. Well, now. I would. I would go more than that, honestly. Like, I would go as high like one year, like ten mil, honestly, just because you know he's a guy that would be so beneficial to the roster. And then at on a one year deal, it doesn't interfere with uh, re-signing to Brinkett and Strom next season. So. Yeah, you have the salary now. Spend it. You're interesting. Uh, signing a one-year deal on a guy like like Pavelski. Do you think he's looking for that sort of a deal, or do you think he's looking to potentially pick somewhere to to finish? I, I mean, I think players. I think players are always looking for term. So I don't know if that's something he's interested in. I'm just saying, I certainly would be interested in that. And I know Stan Bowman is mostly looking for one or two year deals with his uh free agent signings yeah i think joe pavelski this isn't the first time he's been linked to the chicago blackhawks the blackhawks were always interested in finding a way to go out and trade for him after the olympic i think it was the offseason after the olympics there was it wasn't really big news but that they were gonna try to reach out and try to acquire joe pavelski but i i think now that he's a free agent they're gonna do what it takes it, it to try to get him on a short-term deal so one to two years i could see it working out okay well we'll go ahead any other uh any other rumors that you guys want to talk about i, I mean i guess I, I i did mention five names i said four uh cory perry's also linked to the hawks i i know i was saying that teams on the brink of the playoffs should go after cory perry but i just don't see him and the hawks just I don't the way he plays. I don't see him fitting well. I think there's other good options for Corey Perry, but I, like maybe the Carolina Hurricanes. But I don't know if the Hawks really make sense. Yeah, the Corey Perry gets a big no thanks for me. <laughs> <laughs> other than that, I, I I there has been many other rumors that I I haven't really paid attention to individual team rumors besides the Blackhawks just because I'm, I mean July first is four days away now, so I'm getting excited. Oh. There are no other rumors to talk about. I think we can sort of wrap up this uh, episode. Uh, we'll do another segment for the end of the episode. Um, we've done who would you pick up? Uh, we've done who would you drop off? Um, we'll look at now. Let's say you could trade. You, you could look at your roster as it is right now, and you can pick up any one player in the league. You don't have to worry about their cap hit. You just strictly add them and their term to your team who are you picking up if you're looking to make a run at least until their contract is up? Sorry, what were the parameters of that again? Um, you're going to pick up any player in the league. The only stipulation is you have to pick up their contract for the years attached to it. So you can't pick up a player and then have them drop off your roster at the end of the year. You have to take out that whole contract. So like, let's say you pick up somebody who's got five years attached to their deal. You have to have the whole five years for that contract. So you can't just dump it at the end of the year. But it can be anyone in the entire league. Say anybody over the age of 25. Anyone over 25. Okay. I'd have to look into what are some of the good contracts? Give me a second. <laughs> uh, I'll go mine then. Uh, Victor Hedman is one of those names I would, wouldn't mind. He's, I, I gotta double check his contract right now, but based off the needs of our, of the Blackhawks, Victor Hedman being a lockdown defenseman, uh, he would bring a winning mentality over. So Victor Hedman is one of the guys I would trade for. And he's he's only 28 years old, so he's still in the prime of his career. Well, I think another Tampa player I'd be looking at is Nikita Kucherov because he signed another eight years at 9.5. For the kind of player he is, 9.5 is quite the steal. And uh, he's 26, so he uh, is just uh, just over 25. So still a very young player. And again, at 9.5 mil for the kind of 
production that he puts up, you know, over 100 points, uh, that's worth it for sure. So I, I think that might be my pick. Uh, maybe Nathan McKinnon is another one to, to consider because he's also on a good deal. Uh, my pick for the Wings is... I think I would pick up Nick Backstrom. Um, I definitely want that guy mentoring Larkin and Valeno going forward on just how to be an elite top-line center. As much as people don't really highlight it, his passes are, in my opinion, what make that line that he's on just so dangerous. I mean, the way that he just finds ways to get the puck to players like Ovechkin, he never really sees the highlight reel for his passes, but his passes are, in my opinion, up there with McDavid and Crosby's in terms of just talent. And I would love to see a guy like that mentoring Larkin or Valeno going forward if they're going to realistically be our one and two centers for the future. No, yeah. I, I, I that makes sense because Valeno, he's not like a goal scorer. So if, if there's a guy that you want to mentor him on making like finding the open lane and le- leading the league in assists like Nicholas Bastrom has done for so many years now, uh, Bastrom would be the perfect fit. With that being sort of being the deals that we do, I think we'll go ahead and have that wrap the episode. As always, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, Nick and Kevin, thank you for joining me tonight on the episode. As always, if you would like to follow the podcast, you can always find us on SoundCloud, which is where I'm going to assume you found this podcast at. You can also send us an email. The email is stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to give us a follow over on Twitter, you can find us at stickbladepod. With that being said, I'd like to thank you for turning in and thank you for enjoying another episode of the Stickblade Podcast. Podcast. Have a good evening. Get ready for July 1st.